When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. World Series Eve is the nothing personal word of the day. Today is Thursday, October 27th, 2022. World Series Eve. When I say World Series Eve, you know how this process works with nothing personal. Coca and I talk about the show the night before. We talk about it the morning of. And it's just me and Coca. Just you and I. Just you and I. Sorry. So World Series Eve, what are you thinking of? He wanted to do an informal poll so you can get on Twitter at David P. Sampson and let me know. Let us know. You can tag Coca too at Matthew Coca CBS. World Series Eve. Is your first thought to start saying the poem towards the night before Christmas and all through the house? Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Was that anywhere near the top of your cerebellum or the middle of your cerebellum? How about the back of your cerebellum? Anywhere. Not me. I was not thinking about Christmas. It had nothing to do with being Jewish. I just, World Series Eve means the night before the World Series, not the night before Christmas. Sorry, Coke. I think you're going to lose this one, but we'll see what happens. Today's Thursday. World Series starts tomorrow. Amazing. So, so you get to spring training. The staff gets there first and sets up the clubhouse. You have to add lockers. I don't know if you know that auxiliary lockers are used because so many people are invited to spring training. You invite like 60 players and you eventually get it down to your final 26 by the end of March. But when spring training first starts, pitchers and catchers report. That's the expression. Pitchers and catchers reporting. But that's not actually accurate. Position players are also in spring training when pitchers and catchers report. But they're not supposed to be because they haven't had their physicals yet. So they're doing stuff, quote unquote, on their own. But we all violate the rules. We all are watching them throw and work out. They just haven't had their physicals. So they're not, quote unquote, officially reported yet. Official reports happen when you get a physical, you pass the physical, and then you have the first meeting. So the position players don't have to go to the first meeting with the pitchers and catchers. And I never fully understood this because the first meeting with pitchers and catchers, you line up from the president to the GM, to the manager, to the traveling secretary, to the trainers, like wear sunscreen, be very careful with your arms, careful with the sun. Clubhouse manager says, please put your jock straps on the hanger to make sure that we clean them all. 
Meanwhile, two days later, the position players, quote unquote, get their physicals, quote unquote, report. And then we do the same speeches again, but we call it the first full squad workout. It's a total misnomer. So that's all the way back in the middle of February. And then you do workouts on all the different fields at these spring training complexes that are built with public money. You're practicing throwing over to first. You're practicing bunting. You're throwing bullpens. You're doing all sorts of stuff. You're taking BP and live BP. And then all of a sudden, your first spring training game starts somewhere around February 25th, let's say. And you play for a month straight afternoon games. You sprinkle in the night game. The team is beginning to come together. You're making roster cuts. And we're not even in March yet. You hit March get to opening day, you have 162 games in about 183 days. The daily amphetamine-free grind of a baseball season should not be underestimated. You work, you work, and you work. Finally, it's playoff time, and all you're trying to do is play in October. That's the goal of all the teams. Even the tanking teams have this illusion they have a chance. So October comes... You've won 101 games. You're all excited. You feel like you have a chance. You get eliminated. And then you start your offseason, but some teams continue on. And then before you know it, you have your World Series matchup. And there's two owners left, two presidents left, two general managers left who have a chance to have a successful season. All of the other PR is just PR when you end a season and say, hey, we had a successful season. Hey, this was great. Can't wait to next year. We're building something here. Or you win 100 games, you lose in the playoffs, and you say, hey, we didn't get where we wanted to get, but we really put ourselves in a great position. The future is bright. It's all a bunch of horse hockey. All 30 teams want to be the last team standing. And here we are on the eve of a week where we will know the latest is a week from this Saturday. Nine days from now, we will have the 2022 World Series champion. It's either going to be the Philadelphia Phillies or the Houston Astros. And the difference is staggering between these two teams, not just in talent level on the field, but actually what this World Series would mean to them. So the day before the World Series happens to be a very interesting day and I know this from experience because we had a day before a World Series at Yankee Stadium. For the road team especially, it's fascinating. You're in the team hotel, the team hotel in Houston. We used to stay at the, uh, I want to say it was the Four Seasons in Houston. It was right near Minute Maid, right near a mall. There was a side entrance. I can't remember the name of the hotel. I'd have to go back to the confidential book. They used to give a confidential book to everyone before the season started that have everybody's phone number in it. So bizarre. Remember in the beginning of cell phones when you guarded your cell phone as though it were your family jewels? Oh, I'll give you my office number. Oh, please don't give him my cell number. Now everyone's cell number is the regular number. They don't have regular numbers. It's not as awesome. Oh, you've got a cell? Hey, give me your cell. It used to be you had to call someone. Do you mind if I give that person your cell? Well, I'd rather not. How about my email? Which email? Oh, the one that's looked at by my assistant. People don't guard their cells as much as they used to. So when you're on the road the day before the World Series, you've heard me talk about how you check into the hotel. Philly got to Houston already. There's a table with all of their names and room numbers and special room services available for players 24 hours. That's a rule. 
a union rule and a collective bargaining rule, every team hotel must have 24-hour room service. And if you stay at a hotel without 24-hour room service, they have to have 24-hour room service while the team is there. They get their schedule. It's called an itinerary, the World Series itinerary. And it shows that on Thursday, October 27th, there's going to be two team buses going to Minute Maid. Even though many players take Ubers, many players take taxis. You have to have two team buses. Generally, the broadcasters and executives are on the team bus, more so than players. The starting pitcher always takes the last bus. That's sort of a common thing in baseball. The starting pitcher for that particular day. So tomorrow, Aaron Nola will take the team bus, the last team bus to the ballpark. But today, you get to the ballpark and it's a workout. The World Series starts at 7.03 p.m. Central Time. The home team gets to decide what time they want to work out. You always want to work out around game time. When it's a 7 o'clock game, you're not going to work out at 7. And there's a roof, so you're going to want to maybe take the 5 o'clock slot. And then the road team gets to decide if they're going to work out before or after. In this case, I would assume the Phillies will work out before. So they will get to the ballpark around 11, 11.30. And then there's lots of media responsibility for the players, for the starting pitchers. It's why starting pitchers have to get officially named because they're going to meet the media. The managers, Dusty Baker, Rob Thompson will meet the media. Then there's a lot of hanging around on the field. You've got media with their credentials that are on the field. People are doing live hits to networks like CBS Sports HQ. You've got Fox there. You've got ESPN. When they were doing games, they were there. The lineup for the World Series has not been disclosed publicly, but the lineup has been disclosed to the players. So the Philadelphia Phillies, who are starting, are very aware of where they are in the lineup, where they're playing, who's going to be DHing, who's going to be leading off, etc. And what you're working on from a player standpoint the day before is you are trying very hard to make that day like any other day during the regular season. And in order to help the players keep that routine, we do the workout and we do the buses and the food and we do everything exactly the same with two exceptions. One, there's some extra signing of memorabilia because you get World Series balls that we have players signed, players are signing jerseys, and we've got an extra person in the clubhouse dealing with tickets. Because on a normal weekend in Houston, the Phillies players would have a system where they get tickets for their families and friends, and it's done with the traveling secretary. There's an automatic system. It's very, very simple. It doesn't take up a lot of time for the players at all. Not a lot of energy either. But come World Series time, it becomes a lot more complicated because there are a lot more requests. So one of the things that happens the day before is that in the clubhouse, there's a separate area where the traveling secretary and his assistant, because we give the traveling secretary an assistant for the playoffs, not named George Costanza, but could be, they are dealing with the allocation of tickets where players or families are going to be, where players' friends are going to be. There's a family section. There's a friend section. Then there's a miscellaneous section. Then you've got Major League Baseball to deal with. When you're the home team the day before a World Series, you're dealing with Major League Baseball coming in because it's a Major League Baseball event. Major League Baseball gets a suite a special owner's suite where the commissioner sits. It's called the commissioner's suite. The commissioner also gets seats behind the plate often next to the dugout or somewhere in the special club section behind the plate. 
in between the dugouts. That's the rule. There has to be eight to 16 seats in between the dugouts reserved for the commissioner's office. And the commissioner will use that for various people, both who work with the commissioner and special guests and celebrities. Then on top of that, as a home team, you are working with the broadcasters of the game, which is Fox, because Fox is placing celebrities when they pan to, when you're watching a World Series game, do you think that it's just like there's one guy in a camera who's looking at every fan and saying, hey, there's the guy who stars in the Fox series? No. There is a chart of where Fox puts its celebrities. Do you think like they found Miles Teller? Like the camera just found him. Hey, look, that's, that's Goose's son. No. There's a list, like a piece of paper that actually has, and they put it on their camera, the guys who are the camera guys, so they know exactly to focus in. And then there's a certain inning where they're gonna promo Fox's shows, because that's part of the broadcast deal. And when they're promoing the, sh promoing the shows, they're showing the celebrities. They're showing the stars of those shows. And then people like me are like, who's that? Never heard of that. Him, her, them. So there's all sorts of extra things going on but our job with the players is to make them feel that this is routine, this is ordinary. So we do everything the same, trying to alleviate their anxiety, trying to help them not recognize that they're on the biggest stage of the season and that they are playing for history. Very few players get to be Major League Baseball players. Very few Major League Baseball players get to win a ring. It is a very big deal. I've told you on this show when I've taken my cynic pills that not all players want to win as much as fans do or as much as executives do. That's true. However, once you've gotten to the World Series, there are 52 players on that field tomorrow who are all thinking the same thing. Hey, if we win, I'm going to get a share of like $450,000 extra. That'd be amazing. Think about for young players who are making seven hundred grand. Jeremy Pena, Pena, I'm going to say it wrong, of course. He can make 50% of his salary in a World Series bonus. So players want to win right now. Executives are trying to figure out lineups, rotations, working with the manager, letting him know what we're going to do. The Philadelphia Phillies did something yesterday that surprised a lot of people. It's sort of a technical thing, but I just want to explain it. The game one starter tomorrow is Aaron Nola. It's not Zach Wheeler. Everyone thought Zach Wheeler was going to start game one because he's the number one starter. He is pitching the best, even though Nola had given up no runs in his first three postseason starts. And now, and Nola in his last postseason start, gave it up, as you may recall, to the Padres. And then on top of that, Aaron Nola shut out the Astros at the beginning of October, the last series of the regular season. When you are putting your rotation together for the World Series, you are not thinking of just games one and two. You are thinking of all seven games. You have mapped out your rotation for the series. The way the off days work, whoever starts game one starts game five. Whoever starts game two starts game six. Whoever starts game five is available out of the bullpen in game seven. So you want the person pitching game one to be aware that you're getting two games out of them, plus they've got to be ready and have the mentality and have the ability to pitch out of the bullpen. 
The Phillies believe that Aaron Nola is best suited for that. And they are taking into account health. They're taking into account post-pitching soreness that they know occurs with their two pitchers. The reboundability for their pitchers, Wheeler and Nola. Rob Thompson told you yesterday. Totally misleading you. That they wanted to give Wheeler an extra day of rest. And that was the reason. Anytime you can give a pitcher an extra day of rest, we're going to do it. Well, Nola could have gotten an extra day of rest too. On top of the extra day of rest he had because Wheeler beat the Padres. That's not why. It's because the way they wanted to line up the rotation is to go Nola Wheeler and then Nola Wheeler in 5-6. I happen to think it's an interesting move, but many of the people who you are hearing on radio and TV are saying that this is possibly related to Verlander and not wanting Wheeler to go against Verlander. The best teams in baseball, and Houston is that. The best front offices in baseball, Houston is that. You make your rotation according to your game plan, not reacting to another team's rotation. There are owners who don't do that. Many of the arguments that we had with our owner were when he wanted to switch the rotations because he wanted certain pitchers to pitch against certain teams. He wanted certain pitchers to pitch in certain games of a doubleheader. All of that is common. Owners do that because they think emotionally that there's something to be said, hey, let's save our ace to pitch against a division rival instead of a random game against a team in the other league. And we point out every game actually weighs the same. And then he says, no, when you're playing your division rival, that's two games. If you win, they've won one and you've lost one. And we say, no, no, we're just trying to win every game we have and we don't want to disrupt the routine of the pitcher. There's no reason to. Pitchers don't get up for, hey, we're playing the Phillies today. Oh, we're only playing the Mariners or the Blue Jays. No, that's not how it works at all. So Aaron Nola is going to start game one. Everyone's saying that's great. He just beat the Astros. He went six plus innings. He shut him out. Verlander's going. We have a chance. Verlander has never won in the World Series. So let's put Wheeler in because if we can sneak game one because Verlander may be ineffective, we match our best against their number two starter who's an ace in Framber Valdez, not announced yet. And that could lead to a sweep of the first two games on the road. That's the mentality that the underdog has. That's the mentality that the road team has. But the fact is, all you have to do if you're the Phillies is win one of these first two games. That's the goal. And you're putting your rotation together. You're putting your team in the best position possible to do that. Is it going to work for them? I guess we'll find out. For the teams who've lost, certain owners, I would say, if I had a count, a rough count, while I'm sitting here, I would say 20 out of 28 owners are watching the World Series, and eight are not, and the other two who are in it, of course, are watching. GM's a little fewer. Half the GMs are watching and half are not. Players, maybe 10%, maybe 10% of the players who have been eliminated are watching the World Series. They're angry. They've moved on. They're starting their offseason. They're on hunting trips. They're with family. They're doing whatever they're doing. They don't want to stay up late because they're waking up early with the kids. Whatever the reason is, it's hard. 
Now, if you've got a good friend on one of the teams, you maybe check out one of his at-bats or so, watch a couple innings, but very few players are sitting here watching the entire game. One of the owners who absolutely is watching is Hal Steinbrenner. Hal Steinbrenner is the owner of the Yankees who is licking his wounds following an ALCS loss to the Astros, not just a loss, a an absolute poor showing where the Astros beat them four out of five times. And when it was very clear that this was not just a circumstance, this was not a moment, this was looking at your team and being able to say to yourself, if you're smart and good, my team is not as good as that team. Many owners just say, hey, we didn't get a break. We didn't get the two-out hit. We didn't get the two-out RBI. We didn't have the strong bullpen that we needed because they were tired. Our rotation was backwards. Excuses, excuses, excuses. The best front offices are willing to acknowledge their faults. They're willing to acknowledge their weaknesses. Once the Yankees lost, all of the media started with the Aaron Boone watch. Are they going to fire him? Are they not? They did it last season. But guess what? Aaron Boone signed a three-year deal. And if you know the Yankees and you know the Hal Steinbrenner Yankees, Aaron Boone was not going to get fired. I said it 20 times on CBS Sports HQ. And still, I got pushback from fans, from people on Twitter, that Aaron Boone has to go. And I tried to explain that from Hal Steinbrenner's standpoint, he cannot, when he speaks to his assistants, when he speaks to his friends, his family, when he speaks to Cashman, when he speaks to Randy Levine, his team president, there is no one who could look Hal in the face and say, hey, we lost because of Aaron Boone. George Steinbrenner wouldn't have cared about that. He would have fired Aaron Boone. Hal Steinbrenner is totally different. So Hal Steinbrenner tried a different approach today, and I like it. He met the media, and instead of adding to the question, he ended the question. The only reason why you do that during an off-season is when you've already made your decision. To end an inquiry during the season, there are myriad reasons for that, including you don't want distractions, you don't want the manager thinking he's on the hot seat, you want the players not to get tight, you don't want this aura of instability around you. So when asked about the manager, you'll get the quoted vote of confidence. In-season vote of confidences do not have much meaning because those who give them do not mean them. But an early off-season vote of confidence is the exact opposite. It's the 100% this is what I mean. And if I say it, I mean it because off-season, Hal Steinbrenner could have said, and everyone would have said, that's perfect. Hey, I'm going to, the season just ended. I need to have time to decompress, and I'll start thinking about next season at another moment. I'll start thinking about the manager, the general manager, the Aaron Judge, the free agents. I'll start thinking of all that at another moment. And we would all say, that makes sense. But when you come out and say something like Hal Steinbrenner did, which is, I believe he is a very good manager. I don't see a change there. When an owner says, I don't see a change there, make no mistake, there's no change. What an owner could have said if Hal had said, listen, you know, it's totally up to Brian Cashman. I'm going to wait to see how Brian evaluates the season, and then we'll be back to you. You can do that. You can say, Listen, that was a very tough break. We're still trying to process the loss. 
totally fine. You could say Aaron Boone has two years left on his contract. That's totally fine. That's a true statement. There were 20 ways that his PR person could have told Hal to answer that question unless Hal had told him, which is the only thing he could have told him, we're not getting rid of Aaron. Then the PR person says, well, if you're not getting rid of it, then just end it now. And the way to end it this close in the offseason, this when it's still raw, is just say, hey, we're not changing. I love that. There's no reason to have that hanging over your offseason. Let the front office focus on what matters for the Yankees, which is going down the list of needs, which starts with figuring out Aaron Judge and ends with improving their pitching, which is what I said needed to be done over the course of the past six months. Figure out a way to get guys on base. Figure out a way that it's not feast or famine in your lineup. Figure out a way not to bring in another Josh Donaldson. Figure out a way to get depth in your rotation. Figure out a way to not have a Roldis Chapman on your team. And you can't get to those issues until you get past the GM and the manager issue. Did you notice what he didn't talk about was Cashman? Well, I assure you, Cashman's coming back, and so is Aaron Boone. The Yankees have started their process, and we're going to follow it throughout the entire offseason because what happens with Aaron Judge is going to be seismic, both in size and in ripple effect. Thank you for your corrections. We do several things on Nothing Personal, but the most that we do is 45 minutes straight Coke is talking to me in my ear. He's writing things down on this document. We don't have a prompter. We don't have anything written out. We have topics, sort of the idea of how many minutes we'll spend on each topic. And then, of course, that goes out the window once I go on detours and think of different things that we didn't even prep. So I make mistakes. Sometimes I say things that are wrong. I called Aaron Judge's season yesterday historical. Well, that's hysterical because that's a total misuse of the word historical. Aaron Judge's season was historic not historical. So for all of you who corrected it, thank you. I read it. I listened to it. I heard you. And now I've corrected it. All right. When we come back, we're going to review a show that just finished yesterday. And then we're going to talk about some stuff going on in the NFL because it's pretty awesome. Hang around. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and doing all the things on social media to keep us front of mind. Go on to YouTube. I think we're getting close, Coca. Just go to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. It doesn't take long and hit subscribe. It's okay to watch. I guess if you don't want to watch and you want to listen, you can put it on mute. You can listen to it through Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, but still watch on mute and hit subscribe. All right. It's been a big week of finishing weekly series. I am not a huge fan of having to wait a week for an episode. I like when an entire series drops at once, but I found myself in the middle of three series that were week by week. We reviewed the patient yesterday. Thank you to those who were at David P. Sampson direct messaging me and you watched the patient and I was able to communicate with you about the spoiler that I couldn't talk about during my review and my actual thoughts on that spoiler. The show today that I finished yesterday that I'm reviewing is called Tell Me Lies. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Tell me lies, if you are a in your mid-30s, let me just give you a hard stop right now. Finish listening to this show and then go watch Tell Me Lies. I'm not gonna say another word other than mid-30s, sort of ending college in the 2008 range. Uh, you're gonna wanna watch this. Tell Me Lies is a story comes from a book and I'm watching because it, it came up on, on the algorithm of Hulu and I started watching the first few episodes and I'm looking at the star of the show and this is exactly what happened. I'm going to recreate what happened. And this is, this is really what I did. So the, the show starts. I don't read reviews. I don't look at previews. I just say, I'm right. I'm going to watch the first episode, see if it grabs me. Because I'm easily grabbable. Once I'm grabbed, you have me. Hard to get rid of me. Because I'll find you. So I'm looking at the screen. And I look up and I say, Salami? <laughs> this is a boomer reference. And I realize that no one will know this. Because I looked at the recent demographics from CBS. And we're skewing way too young for this. That said, there's the show starring Ken Howard called The White Shadow. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. I don't know whether it's aged well, but it's about a basketball team and a white coach of the basketball team. And one of the players on the basketball team is named Salami. And he's played by an actor named Timothy Van Patten. And I have no idea who's in Tell Me Lies. I'm just watching, but I'm looking and I yell out salami. It's not like meatloaf, mom. I wasn't hungry, I don't eat salami. Guess what? Salami's old enough to have a daughter. Guess what else? Salami's daughter is old enough to be an adult in a movie and be quite sexual in this movie. 
This is Salami's daughter. I can't even. Her name is Grace Van Patten. She plays a, turns out to be a pretty despicable character, second only to her boyfriend, who's played by Katie Seagal's son from Married with Children. Katie Seagal is actually in Tell Me Lies, who plays the mother of the character Steven, who's played by her actual son, who I never heard of. His name is Jackson White, who plays another despicable character. It's almost like they're showing these college students. It's not like euphoria type of situation. I didn't associate this with euphoria. I, used, I associated it with St. Elmo's fire gone bad. That may be a reference that only 31% of you get. Tell Me Lies is a series that I don't care if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, or 70, paying attention to nothing personal, go watch Tell Me Lies. And if you yell salami, just let me know. Okay, I really liked it. I'm sad that it's over. It's gotta get a season two though, right? For those of you who watch it and then watch the finale, which is now live and up. All right, Coca, play me some music. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. There's a movie called... <laughs> um, Matt, is this happening to me? Half base. Oh, God. Um, I am not half-baked right now. I'm not even 169th baked because it's early in the morning and I'm doing a show. And contrary to several players and several executives and other people in their line of work, I do not do nothing personal baked, ever, never would. I had a hard enough time remembering things. I have no idea why Half-Baked was, maybe it's Ambien. So Half-Baked is a movie, there's a character called Samson, and if you wanna to talk to me, The way everybody wants to talk to Samson in that movie, go to David P. Samson on Twitter. It doesn't matter who owns the app. Just go to David P. Samson on Twitter and ask me a question. David. Yes. Do you remember your wait to see about Lions coach Dan Campbell? Any new thoughts? The Detroit Lions are a football team in the National Football League that they have fans who've been wearing brown bags over their faces for decades. On August 4th of 2021, which is well over a year ago, Dan Campbell became the head coach. We did a funny episode about this when Dan Campbell became a head coach. Go back and listen to it. That is when he had the opening press conference where he was talking about biting people's knees or hitting people's knees. If someone comes to us, we're going to them stronger and harder. We're going to be the lions of the jungle, whatever he did. Of course, the lions have absolutely stunk since he took over. And this year... They again, so I had to wait to see that Dan Campbell back in August of 21, that he's never going to last the seven years under any scenario. He's in his second year. He has not been fired yet. But I assume the reason you're asking this question about my wait to see is that the owner of the Lions, for whatever reason, came out. They're, they're, they're one in five this year, and they've lost four straight. And they came out, the owner, and had a little talk about the coach. The owner's name is Sheila Ford Hamp. Sheila Ford took over for her mother who took over for her father. And she is now the control person in running the Lions. Why she felt the need to talk about Dan Campbell right now 
is that her view, because the Lions are one and five, is she thought that her fan base needed to hear, hey, I've got the con. Everything's fine. Is it I've got the com? I think it may be I've got the com, Coca, versus I've got the con. Interesting. There's one of those expressions where you say it, like in a submarine, who's got the con? But is com like communications or is con like deaf con? Hmm. Not positive. So she came out and she gave an in-season call back to the beginning of today's show, folks, an in-season vote of confidence to Dan Campbell. And I smiled. She said that she wanted you all to know that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, their general manager, are the right people to lead this rebuild. To which I replied in my head, they're still in the rebuild? Or is this a rebuild from the last rebuild that didn't work where they went for it, it didn't work, and then they tore it down to rebuild? So when you rebuild a rebuild that never was built, is it still a rebuild? Or is the fact that you're in a rebuild your perpetual state of build? And then it's not really a rebuild. She was trying to convince all of the fans of Detroit that we did this huge teardown and we're only a third of the way through the season. And then she said, here's the quote. We've got 11 more games to go, so I just don't want to ruin it. Push the panic button and give up the ship. Oh, the person who controls the ship, by the way, is I've got the con. It's C-O-N. That's the person who controls the ship. And she said, we're not going to take it to DEFCON 3. She didn't say that part, but I am. Because I don't want people to think I'm hitting the panic button and giving up the ship. Because we've got the right people in place to pull this off. And I truly believe that. I mean, how many times do I have to tell owners or players or anybody to not say I truly believe it? Do you, can you falsely believe something? I falsely believe that we've got the right people in place. When in fact, the majority of the time, that's true. That you do have a belief in a system that's not going to work. It never had a chance to work. It had bad sort of information that went in. So maybe you should say that I falsely believe. And then she said to all of you fans out there in Detroit, I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe it. Hmm. So here's the problem. When you're in season and saying something like that, if I'm Dan Cable, Campbell's agent or lawyer, I'm starting to look at the contract to make sure that I'm going to get paid all of my years. Because Dan Campbell has no chance to be there in season three of this great rebuild and turnaround if the Lions don't start doing something this season. So my new thoughts about Dan Campbell are the same thoughts. He is not going to make the seven seasons. And given what his owner said yesterday, I have a new thought. Dan Campbell is not going to see training camp next season because the Lions are in no position to turn around in the next 11 games the absolute nightmare that they're having this season. Their one and five start is going to turn into a four-win season if they're lucky. So they're looking at four and 13. And then what is Sheila going to say? Does Sheila just say, hey, listen, I still believe we've got the right people. We're right where we want to be in this great rebuild. We changed out a lot of pieces. We're sticking with it. Negative. Dan Campbell, wait to see. 
book it, Coca. An official wait to see. Dan Campbell will not be the coach of the Lions next season. When we were prepping this segment, Coca, when we were talking about the fact that the Lions are not in a rebuild, really. They're in a perpetual state of crappiness. He was making jokes about people who falsely believe things. It's how I got the expression falsely believe because we were talking about it. And his example that I want to put on the show because it made me laugh quite hysterically is that hearkening back to my one of my favorite movies with Leonardo da Vinci, um, DiCaprio. Oh, is he a painter? Yeah, I just watched Notting Hill again in the middle of the night. I did not sleep last night. I was so excited for Christmas Eve, which starts tomorrow that I couldn't sleep. But one of my other favorite movies with Leonardo DiCaprio is Titanic. Do you think people built the Titanic thinking it was going to sink when it hit an iceberg? Do you think that owners, when they're rebuilding, think that it's not going to work? Of course they do. They think they've got the right pieces in place. They want to believe it. But we are a results-based business. And in a results-based business, it's very simple. If your ship hits an iceberg and sinks, and you don't have enough lifeboats, you should not have truly believed that you built the perfect ship. If you are rebuilding a team and you cannot win games, guess what? Either the players are wrong or the people who found the players are wrong. But either way, you're going to have to rebuild the ship. Dan Campbell's not going to make it. So I guess my answer to your question is, I don't have any new thoughts. I'm just making the thoughts come faster. A lot of coaching issues in the NFL right now. This is the time of year. So remember the math we do. Now that there's 17 games, it's a little off, but each game is roughly 10 games of baseball. So we are 60 games in, 70 games in the baseball season. So we're right around May, early June. This is when managerial changes are going to happen. They're going to make a difference. And this is when new owner-itis can become an actual thing. New owner-itis in the NFL, there's only one owner who has to take any sort of pills to deal with his new owner-itis currently. And his name is Rob Walton, who bought the... Denver Broncos for $4.65 billion. And he has seen his team sign Russell Wilson to that huge contract. And then he's seen his team lose four straight, seemingly all on primetime. That is really something, isn't it? The NFL is despondent beyond repair that every time anyone looks up, it's the Broncos. They're two and five. What do you think? Time to fire Nathaniel Hackett? So Nathaniel Hackett is the head coach of that team. People are saying that they're playing in London, so they are, again, a national game, even though it's 9.30 a.m., but people wake up, fantasy gamble with coffee and donuts and breakfast at Wembley. So it's the Jaguars against the Broncos this Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30, 7.30 in Denver. So all these people are going to wake up at 7.30 a.m. They're going to watch their team. And if they lose to Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, there are those who think that Samuel Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett will get fired. Samuel Beckett is not the coach of the Broncos. It's Nathaniel Hackett. 
So new owneritis is when you believe you have a team that you don't have. It's when you have a manager or a coach who you inherited from the previous regime who you didn't choose and you believe that your team should act the way your business does, which is when you open the doors at Walmart or when you do what you do to make the money you make to be able to spend $4.65 billion on a team. What you say goes and what you say works because what you say makes money. All of a sudden you get into sports and these billionaire owners look around and say, holy Christmas Eve, I can't effectuate change with the speed and with the precision that I can do in my business world. And it leads them to make decisions that are so off because they think the reason why we're not succeeding is I'm not making the decisions in the way I make them in my other life. So they start making decisions the way they make decisions. And all of a sudden they're front offices are not in agreement with what they're doing and they don't care because in their corporate life when they want to do something as the chairman or founder of their company and somebody doesn't want to do it they say I don't care what you want I know what's best I built this company I am this company I know this company and by the way I'm worth billions of dollars hard to argue sports is different sports doesn't matter how rich the owner is it doesn't matter where the owner made his money it doesn't matter what the owner does for a living, what the owner thinks the owner knows. Every owner in sports is nothing but a wealthy fan. That's it. They have no training. They have no eye. They have no ability to do anything. And I'm including Jerry Jones, who named himself GM. Although maybe after 25 years, he has a better eye, but generally not, if not specifically. But Rob Walton's going to lose patience in a hurry. Nathaniel Hackett is coaching for his coaching life this weekend. Rob Walton is the exact type of owner who would make a coaching change in the middle of a season because he wants his fan base to know that he's not patient to wait for the end of a season when a season's gone so wrong, when the Broncos have been so awful, when Russell Wilson is just not the Russell Wilson that people expected when they gave him that amount of money and traded all the assets they traded to Seattle to get him. Boy, Pete Carroll looks smart. Just remember, folks, you know your player better than anyone. So when you want to trade for someone else's player because you think you're going to extract value or that you know better, if there is a player who you think should not be traded and is eligible to be traded and the other team is willing to trade, then just know they know something you don't. Pete Carroll is nobody's fool. If he's ready to move on from Russell Wilson, there's a reason. And you are witnessing that reason right now. Are there injuries in Denver? Yes. Is there a lack of talent in Denver? Yes. Is Russell Wilson a top quarterback in the NFL? No. Is Nathaniel Hackett going to suffer for that? Yes. New owner-itis is going to rear its ugly head. I'll be up at 9.30 watching Sunday because I'll be off the air from the Game 2 of the World Series, you know, around 1 a.m., so that'll give me, like, plenty of sleep. Nothing personal pick of the day. Were you nervous about the Bucks minus four over the Nets because I'd lost about four or five in a row? I wasn't. Did you watch that game? I don't know if I'm going to say it again. The Nets don't have a big three. I'm just not. That's it. I've said it now for the beginning of the season several times. I am not saying it again. And you can find me if I do. They've got Durant. They've got Irving. They've got Durant. And they've got Irving. And then they've got Durant. 
Ben Simmons is an absolute nothing. The Bucs are a better team by far. Giannis is the best player on that court. And the Bucs won by 11. We are 123 and 100. Well, we've got Thursday night football. Oh, Kyrie Irving did that? Oh, I got a Kyrie Irving quote for you after the game. Thank you, Coco. Will you write it? Write it. No, I hear you saying it. Write it. Okay. Kyrie Irving, after the Nets loss, said, you guys keep coming in here and asking me, what about Ben? What about Ben? He hasn't played in two years. Give him an effing chance. We're just here to give him positive affirmations. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kyrie. That's just what Ben needs is positive affirmations from you. Do you know what's going on behind Ben's back, Kyle, in the front office? Total panic. Thursday night football tonight. I saw this stat, Coke, and you're a Ravens guy, so you should know this. The Ravens are four and three, but they've had 10 game leads in every game this season. And every other team in history who had 10 game, 10 point leads, excuse me, who had 10 point leads in a game in the first seven games, they were all seven and oh. You've had 10 point leads in every game and you're four and three. Is that a Lamar Jackson issue? A defense issue? A focus issue? A coaching issue? A Harbaugh issue? The best part about the Ravens this week is they get to play the Buccaneers. Hear me now and see me later. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not be in the playoffs. They are finished with the capital F. And for whatever reason, the Ravens are getting a point. Hip, hip, hooray. I am in. Sorry, Matt. Every time I do the Ravens, I think it doesn't work, right? But we're doing it. Ravens plus one over the Bucks. All right, that's it. Tomorrow will be day of World Series. Get ready. But for now, it's just business. This is nothing personal.